What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for listening to Armchair Producers. This is just a reminder that you can go over to twitch.tv slash thefriedbrain every Wednesday evening at around 8 o'clock, and you can listen to us live, and you can actually also donate to us if you'd like. It does help support the channel, keep things running. Episode of Producers, episode 108. This is me, Georgian. The, the weirdo with the British accent vaguely that apparently is getting British, uh, according to Cousin Shop. I don't know quite how that that's possible, but anyway, I'm here with the man, the myth, the talent. This is just holy hell Croft. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm fine and dandy. I don't think you're getting more British. Um, but I, again, don't. I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know that we can rate the level of intelligence of your customers, considering these are people who are shouting at people for wearing masks after that's the mask mandate ended. You, you're wearing a mask offends me. Um, my freedoms. Um, so, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I would be comfortable to call that myth busted just based on, on that evidence I alone. Know. I mean, because anytime I talk, talk to anyone back in the UK, they say, oh, oh it sounds so Australian. It sounds like, mm, I don't think I do. <laughs> I, I don't know, but like, I know when I go overseas, I turn mm. the ochre up without even... Without even, <laughs> without even noticing that I'm doing it, like especially in places like the US, the UK, mm. they don't give a shit about Australians. They're so over Australians in the UK. You grew up with neighbors and home and away and Kylie yeah, Minogue. Yeah. So, like, yeah, Aussies are a dime a dozen there. Um, but like, if I'm, if I'm in the States, all you got to do to get anywhere is just call someone mate, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't, people who know me. No, I don't. I don't call people mate terribly often, but um, in the states, everyone's yeah, g'day, mate. How's it going? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I, got a, I got a booking mate. Uh, you know, and they're like, oh, I love your accent. Where are you from? England. <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah, mm, yes, I am very much. Fuck you. Um, uh, Mix Foxy B says, I get that. The longer I'm here, the more people call me out as a Kiwi. Maybe it's like a, a you, you'll, you'll double down on your your. Like there was a point in time where uh, my ex-partner and I would ensure in, in, in we, we took every opportunity to make George say the word auction. Auction. That's why. Auction. <laughs> Lord Pitt the Elder. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, just to hear him say auction. <laughs> he pronounces it funny. <laughs> Um, yes, it never got old. old it, it really, really didn't. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's, um, we we won't hold that against you. You, know, you are you're from where you're from, right? Home mm-hmm. is home. Miss Foxy yeah. B's a Kiwi. We do not hold that against her. She's one of our regular viewers. Yeah, uh, great she... to see you, Foxy B. Um, also, we actually, actually, I went to my uh, messages on twi- uh, Twitch and. <laughs> Carol Kitty three three six nine recommended Fender Flight of Dragon. You left us a lovely little message um, saying that she was very sick. She wasn't able able to um, get to the show last time, but um, she she had a couple of thoughts on. on um, and here we go. Uh, terribly sorry for missing a live live show. Wind snow snow killed my. I did watch the recorded stream today. I'm sorry, Travis wasn't able to enjoy Joy Flight Dragons. I still I still enjoy it. But I have the nostalgia nostalgia with that one. Still think Omadon won in the end. If you if you relate to current time, times, um, 
And the tree of antiquity did say the future Peter returns to is, is uh, returns to as the closing decades. As an adult, adult I noticed an, uh, an uh, animation semitism issue, which is pretty common with animation at the time. But uh, but as a little kid, didn't even even think of it. Some of the anti-Semitism in uh, Disney and Looney Tunes, etc., as, as well as racism, sexism, sexism, all that. Just, yeah. Ah, what a wonderful! Thank you very much, Kara Kitty, for yes, um, yes. listening to the show. Um, so, Foxy, just to confirm, you can hear George having a bit of a funny lag thing on his mic as well, uh, because I can hear it here, but he can't. Oh. Hear it. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm having a weird lag at my end as well, but I'll just keep talking while he does technical stuff because. It's what he does. It's why we keep him around. Um, I didn't say it's that. No, I pull things out and push, push back. You <laughs> hope for the best. Um, thank you for letting us know, Foxy. Um, we will attempt mm. to get George's audio issue corrected. It is a bit of an echo at my end as well. But um, so thank you. How to... is that? Is that any better? Huh? It's not the same quality, but you've got no echo, so we'll take it. Huh? Got no echo. Okay. Um... How does that sound to you, Foxy? Uh, you are our our eyes in the sky. You are a bit of tester. <laughs> Break it early. Yeah. Um, well, but I just finish up and say thank you very much for listening yeah. to the show on recording yes. and for giving us your thoughts on uh, Flight of Dragons. I would agree. You know, if you go back through Disney and Looney Tunes history, they've got some stuff in there. But then I want you to see there's some stuff that Disney mm. aren't putting on Disney Plus. Let me tell you right now. Well, that uh, would probably end going on Disney Star with a little card start of it saying yeah uh, this reps a time that we no longer um, um are okay with blah 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 how's my like, audio I, now now i'm still getting an echo oh, okay yeah, yeah for some I'll, I'll go back to... won't get the echo that, that's better at least now i was gonna say oh, when i was a kid like just to sort of uh echo character his thoughts um i grew up watching cartoons like heckle and jekyll do you remember Heckle and Jekyll? Heckle and Jekyll. Um, did I, didn't have that one in the UK? No, not that I'm aware of. Two Black Crows. And basically, I didn't realise this at the time. I just thought it was a funny cartoon. But mm. the whole thing was basically a parody of minstrel shows. And the two Heckle and Jekyll, the two crows, were oh, shit, very, yeah. very stereotypical African-American characters. And, uh, yeah. um, and uh, we still aren't having a lot of luck with your audio now. I'm still getting a... An echo at your end. Even I'm now? Occasionally. Um, we'll, we'll soldier on. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that this is the best we're going to be able to do because we, we don't what could be wrong, wrong, see. We don't. I, I'm trying. Uh, there's, there's nothing I can do, but never mind. Oh, yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to do. Uh, let's see. This work works. Move things around. I don't know if that. Uh, well, actually, do you do anything? Let's give, let's give this a try. Try see if anything pops up in the chat because it should could come up. There we go. Messages will be the same. Oh, it's just incredibly slow behind behind. Oh. What could possibly oh, be wrong oh, about the crows? Yeah. Oh, okay. um, well, if you if you if you, I mean, as a child, you wouldn't have realised it, but yeah. if you're it is an adult, like a little bit like um, uh, Kara Kitty was saying, but like if you're if mm. you're familiar with the tropes. Um, that, that racists used, um, like the, the funny long nose in uh, Flight of Dragons or the, uh, the way the, uh, the, the, the crows talked in Heckle and Jekyll. Yeah. Um, you realise that um, that's what they're doing. You can you understand the, the um, yeah, oh, okay. 
uh fair enough but maybe not a, not all our listeners are familiar with it because like somehow george missed heckle and check or maybe it was a yeah. it was an american cartoon it wasn't australian um, it, it does me think of the crows in dumbo though like very so much like, like that yeah 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 that's all right let's should we get, get on um just yes let's um no i think logging out and logging back in we just cancel the whole show foxy unfortunately yeah. <laughs> um so uh, oh, right. he's got the keys so uh i can't yeah. keep... i need to interrupt the computer because it you know there's a little, little bit of steam coming out the back every time i turn it on or think about turning it on but but yeah. shall we shall we ghost ghost into chain movie or, or shall we get the more recent thing of Falcon Winter Soldier to dump on first. Let's assume we change. We, we, we have, a, we have a, a, um, a way of doing things now. Mm, our, okay. our, our, our adoring public uh, expects <laughs> expect things of us now. Um, yes. And I think All let's right. just go with, uh, let's go with our chain movie, which of course this week is Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Yeah, yes. Now this was um, one of your picks. Um, it was it was we were following Jim Broadbent here this week from uh, yes. last week's um, Bright Young uh, Things. Things, which George didn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, of course, is a Terry Gilliam joint. Uh, uh-huh. It is written uh, by Michael Palin, Terry Gilliam, directed by Terry Gilliam. It screams Terry Gilliam, like oh yeah, it's it's the Terry Gilliam, the Gilliamest thing ever ever Gilliams. Um, it's it's just outrageously Gilliam. Like, yeah. I've never seen this before, but I have seen uh, Baron von Munchausen, which I think you and I watched for the show a while back. Yeah, we did. Um, and and I think we watched Brazil for the show as well. We did. And that, that um, rounds that trilogy of the imagination. And they are, like, this film reminds me very much of uh, the adventures of Baron von Munchausen, mm-hmm. more so than Brazil. Though you can, again, the aesthetic mm. is very similar. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Um, there's some interesting notes when you look at Wikipedia. It's like, like, Ingham refers first to events of the first, first trilogy of imagination, followed by Brazil, and then adventures such as the Baron Munchen. Um, all are about the craziness of awkwardly or society and the desire to escape it through whatever, whatever possible. All three, three films put on these struggles and attempts to escape from, from the imagination. Time bandits with through the eye of a child, Brazil through the eyes of a man in his 30s, 30s, and much of the eyes of an elderly man. Which it's an interesting, interesting looking at those. I I wouldn't have kind of made that kind of const trilogy or anything like that. But I get that point now. Looking back, it was for me. I guess like um, I put them together in my head because I was like, let's be honest. I didn't like this film. I didn't like it at all. Um, but okay. I, I was saying to myself, going maybe I just don't like Gilliam because I didn't like Benches of Baron von Munchausen. I, oh. I thought Brazil was overrated. Um, it's better yeah. than this, but I don't think it's all that as like people make it out to be. But then I thought to myself, no, I like 12 Monkeys. I like Fear oh. and Loathing in Las Vegas. But then I thought to myself, but those films feel nothing like this film. They feel, it, those films yeah. feel nothing like the Imagination Trilogy you just outlined there. They're very mm-hmm. different. Obviously, they are also based on uh, pre-existing properties, you know, Fear and Loathing being the book. I think I think Twelve Murkies was both in a book or something uh, as well. Uh, uh, yeah, the the, the hamster factor. So um, maybe that's what you know the the influence there is. Maybe that I don't get Gilliam Gilliam as a creator from start to finish, as opposed to Gilliam as purely yeah. a director. But 
Um, I certainly got that feeling with those three films sort of stuck together in my head just because of the aesthetic. Mm, mm. Yes, def- def- definitely. They, they are, when you look at the, the way that they're filmed, the way they look, the way they feel, it is so quintessential of, of films, for one, one thing, and um, British movies of that time, because this was before... Uh, likes of film for in the late 90s and the early 2000s where they were starting to really build a kind of born and, born and raised film industry so more than had had done in decades um handmade films was and the co-founded by, by Harrison of the Beatles and he he was a huge 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 fan of the Monty Python guys one of the reasons why I, a lot of the early Terry giving giving him such handmade films films just love those guys guys and he was put on record as saying the monty python are for comedy comedy what kills were to rock he funded um the life of brian famously saying yeah because he wanted to see it yeah yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and uh, this this movie and um brazil Zil and um baron munchals they definitely have kind of feel them of the, these wouldn't have ever been greenlit in normal system. This is someone with a lot of a lot of just going. Yeah, I can make that that because I see it. We'll, we'll, we'll pump it. We'll push it out, and that's what happens. That said, though, it goes to show how foolish they would have been, at least on this film, because yeah. this film was made for approximately five million dollars. Was I mm. believe the tenth highest grossing film of nineteen eighty one? Made forty two million dollars worldwide. So. Uh, Mr. Harrison and everyone involved, mm-hmm. um, including I think Mr. Connery, who was a, probably the headline star of his film, mm-hmm. did quite well off the back of it. But those who invested in Baron von Munchausen significantly, significantly worse. Well, considering that's a historic flaw. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Should we tell people what it's about? We haven't actually told. Yeah. We, we've done the usual thing. Um, the synopsis for Time Bandits: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A young boy accidentally joins a band, time traveling dwarves. They jump from era to era looking for treasure to steal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the best one could really sum this, this move up. Because otherwise you end, you end kind of falling into these, these weird rabbit holes in much, much a Terry character kind of way. Because it's, because it's not well. There's also, also there's the subplot of, um, what's his name? Uh, the little boy is, is, is Richard. Is it Richard? Kevin? Kevin, yes, yes, Kevin. Why was I thinking Richard? I, I don't know. Um, he is, he is basically a bit of a nerd, a bit of a geek, who is kind of, kind of all forgotten about by his parents, who are in this in this race of kind of um, king up with the Joneses, because their neighbours are about, oh, we new technology and gadgets in our, in our house. Isn't that amazing? We, we don't really know what's going on with our child. And that's actually kind of a, the running theme of a lot of 80s British stuff is parents kind of not giving a shit about what their kids are doing. Maybe maybe that, that explains a few things about well, me. Not the only Kevin. He's not the only Kevin I can think of uh, in cinematic history whose parents weren't paying attention. Oh, I don't know what other Kevin could possibly be thinking. Um, no, no. So <laughs> we, we, we meet the parents um, who I uh, are the parents of Kevin, who is uh, very well played by a young actor whose name is not at the bottom, not appearing here. And didn't get particularly good crediting for this film, Young Kevin. Uh, Craig Warnock, who I don't yeah. think went on to do it. 
a great deal else in the world. No other films after this, um, which is surprising because he was not bad at this. He wasn't like he wasn't like Jake Lloyd bad or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, David Jake Dacre and Sheila Fern played uh, Kevin's mother and father. And as you say, they're kind of really not paying attention to what he's up yeah. to. They're kind of pretty bad parents. He has a wild imagination, a love of history, uh, and somehow the uh, time-traveling dwarves find their way using a map and perhaps taking a wrong turn using their map, end up coming, appearing in his wardrobe one night, and essentially he, uh, because they're being chased by the supreme being to get the map back, supreme being played by Ralph Richardson, who I feel like I should know who that is, but I uh, don't. No, that is, uh, wasn't it David Warner who played the supreme? Uh, am I incorrect? It's a supreme being played by Ralph Richardson. Oh, okay. Oh, um, genius. That's right. Um, so similar. <laughs> and uh, he basically he joins the dwarves on their um, their time traveling adventure as they sort of travel through history, stealing from anybody and everybody from Napoleon to uh, well, attempting to rob from rob Robin Hood and Agamemnon. Um, the big names in the cast aren't in it very much. So Sean Connery and John Cleese have top billing here. Sean Connery basically plays King Agamemnon. Um, and he plays a, a brief cameo as a fireman towards the end. Uh, John Cleese has one scene as Robin Hood. Shelley Duvall and Michael Palin have a couple of scenes together. Uh, Ian Holm has one scene. Um in the role that he's played more than any other, I think I think being Napoleon so, so many times now in his career, it's ridiculous. Um, and uh, I think we have, um, uh, I think that's probably pretty much it when it comes to the big stars. Um, and well, you've, you've, you're, you're forgetting Kenny Baker, the, the guy nice. side of the D2. Uh, Jim Broadbent, our, our chain mm-hmm. uh, link to this film, plays a TV compare in a couple of different scenes in a very, very Python-esque role. Mm. Um, and that kind of Python feeling, I mean, it's unavoidable considering the writers, mm. uh, you know, Gilliam and Palin being key parts of um, the Python crew, um, mm-hmm. it's unavoidable in here. But it's um, it's it's Python light. It's, I think, that's why I think, why I think the best things that Python ever did were things where they collaborated mostly mm. because you've got the... You've got everything in there. You've got that surreal genius that is Kerry Gilliam, and he's like, he was smoking all the good shit to do the stuff that he did. You've got that sort of that that sort of very upper crust polite rudeness that sort of John Cleese did so well. Mm-hmm. Um, versus the, the the manic energy of you know your Eric Idols and your Graham Chapmans and the, the very polite young man of, of nice guy of a crew, Michael Palin, mm-hmm. Air, and you know, Terry Jones. It's just everything they did together just. One of those things where the right people were in the right room at the right time and everything just worked. Yeah. To get, I think separately their work isn't as good. Uh, Faulty Towers maybe aside, even then I don't think Faulty Towers is the equal of anything Python did. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. They, they, they think to, to a certain degree they've all had these good good successes like uh, uh, Faulty Towers. Um, and Fish Wonder was um, certainly a very successful, critical success. Um, Oscar winner. It's um, fine. Yeah, it's 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 good. It doesn't doesn't stand the time too much. It's kind of like a, oh yeah, I, I remember that more fondly. Um, like, like you mentioned, you mentioned Harrison saying um, they were the Beatles of comedy, 
And yeah. I think it's like the analogy here. Like George Harrison did some amazing work by himself. Paul McCartney, John Lennon uh, did some amazing work solo, but nothing they did solo ever came close to the work they did yeah. with all those four, three guys and Ringo in a room. Um, they, <laughs> you know, three geniuses, and three geniuses and Ringo. Um, they just they, the work they did together was amazing, and just like uh, even even if something is really good, like you know Harrison and Lennon mm. solo work or whatever, or the stuff that Paul McCartney did, we think you can't compare it to what the Beatles did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, I think I think that's one of one of us for me with this is you know. Um, <clears throat> Kitty was just talk, talking about styles with factor of a flight of grins. Um still being able to go to go back to it. This I have for this so much. This is one of the, the earliest that I remember ever to watch. And I remember it being, I, I think this was one of those formative movies for me where it just inspired me to do the shit that I do. I do, where it's 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 modern, it's a bit steampunky, it's fantasy, it's just fucked up weird psychotropic bizarre but it's also so black as fuck the ending like i did is so so depressing it's like yeah no i oh you think dis uh pixar movies make you cry at the end no sorry sorry it's just raw real, real life <laughs> try to eat that for sad sadness <laughs> so i think cool. the, the difference here is that you care about the characters in pixar films you don't care about the characters in this film that's Maybe Sergeant Kevin. I didn't care about the characters in this film um, at all. Uh, you're right. If you saw it as a kid, and this is a thing, I think this is supposed to be a kids film, right? I think so. Uh, <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, not, not. I it doesn't look, look like it. Yeah, no, I didn't think it was until I started watching it. I'm like, I think this was made for children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this maybe is for the children in the eighties. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Cara Kitty has a point there about her nostalgia for Flight of Dragons, and for oh. if you had if you saw it as a kid, then maybe you'd have that. But mm. as a grown adult seeing it for the first time, it was tiresome. It was too long. It's an hour and fifty minutes. It needed 20, 30 minutes hacked out of it easily. Uh, much too long. Um, it wasn't funny. Uh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't, no. I didn't I mean, the only time I actually genuinely laughed at this it was John Cleese. As Robin Hood, uh, John Cleese's yeah. Robin Hood was brilliant in this film. And this is one of the best things I've seen Cleese do, um, because I think I read in the trivia he intended to base it off like the royal family meeting people, and I'm like, yep, yeah, that's exactly what that is. And it's, Hello, how yeah. are you? What's your name? That's a nice name, you know. Uh, <laughs> thank you ever so much. Yeah, I kind of feel like John, John Cleese is a bit of a one note wonder in many, but when it, he married it so so well with the material like what we talked about with gal gadot so like she's she's great she knows what to do people like jenkins knew how how in the first wonder woman knew her, where to play to play to get the best performance out of and john john Cleese is, is great at, at taking that little statistical element of the aristocracy and just making them fuck stupid or always and it's it's always nice to see those up on high knocked down and he he, he does marvelous. I think it's a bit rude to say he's a one no wonder. I mean, it's a, it's a world away from Basil Fawlty to his character in um, in the Fish Called Wanda, for example. Um, to I mean, it, it's he does tend to play the hoity-toity upper class twit kind of character more so 
But I mean, Basil Faulty wasn't upper class. Basil Faulty wanted yeah. to be upper class. Yeah, but that's that's where he still got to to kind of bring across that upper classness or or John Keys. But, but it is funny because it was the other side, side, and especially in that period of time, so many people were trying to to at least appear above their station. This was a a very recent time in in, in when when the town was coming through to just you know social levels of society and uh, it was you know they, they made so many tv shows and comedy shows basically doing that thing and john cleese just does it better than me <laughs> uh, and i think yeah, yeah we'll agree but i think he does his best when he's combined with with, with uh-huh. that talent when you i think um it's, it's true of any great genius i think when that genius is filtered through Having to work with other people of the same ability—it's when it, it's when we get their best work. Uh, I feel yeah. I haven't talked about time bandits very much. Um, <laughs> That's a good point um, because there's not too much to really say. Michael it, Palin's character was funny. I enjoyed his work with Shelley Duvall as mm-hmm. uh, Vincent and Pansy. Um, they are recurring characters in a couple of different time periods. Who the dwarves and, and Kevin jump back to and end up basically uh, cock blocking Michael Palin a little bit. Um, and look, that geez, he plays pathetic well, Michael Palin. He is a talent, he is, a, yeah. I think he is a talented guy, he doesn't work like that anymore. But, um, no. he was very funny. And Shelly Duvall, I haven't seen her do comedy before. Really, all she's famous for for me is is uh, The Shining, the Shining. yeah. Uh, yeah. I know she played olive oil in um, in Popeye, but I don't oh, know what I've ever so seen. bad, never watched that. <laughs> Never. So, Never and I think there's, a, there's a, a clip of her on the internet doing TV shows where she just introduces herself for three minutes going, hi, I'm Shelley Duvall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd never seen her do comedy before, and she was very good working opposite Michael Palin in yeah. very brief cameos. Um, Sean Connery has, if you ever wonder, if you're like, if you have a, a kid in your life or a young person in your life who wonders why, who the fuck was Sean Connery? Why was he so big? This might be the film to make them watch because he absolutely blows everybody else off the screen with his magnetism and charisma uh-huh. uh, in a, what, five, ten-minute segment? Yeah, yeah, if that. And that's it. It's, he's, he's on it for, like, I think you worked in this for, like, a week or two. Yeah. Um, and in five, ten minutes, I mean, look, I mean, like, John Cleese is kind of a movie star. <laughs> Palin's done big movies before. All these guys have done, you know, Ian Holmes been in big movies before. Um, but Sean Connery, you walk away. He is a fucking movie star. Uh-huh. He is so charismatic, and he's like instantly. My interest in this film jumped fifty percent all yeah. the time that he was on screen. Everything he does on screen is absolutely compelling. You, you can't take your eyes off him. Yeah. Uh, and that, and the thing is that I think um, Gilliam actually noted him. This is at the nadir of his career at this point in time. He'd uh-huh. finished being Bond, and he was just sort of fucking around and not really doing very much. Um, but he is so good as King Agamemnon. It was nice to see him pop up again in the cameo at the end as the fireman. That uh, it, it's it, it's it, that was probably the most entertaining part of the film for me was to seeing him doing Sean Connery stuff. Yeah, because in his career, he uh, it was a busy busy year for him for um, eighty one. He wrote this, and he also did it's it's woefully under underrated, but Outland sci-fi movie and it's actually really good um well I, I, maybe i'm too much on it but it's i really, really enjoy it. was that the year he did zardoz 
no, no. Nassos was, I think, later. Uh, if you haven't seen Sardos, you, you haven't lived. It's just so um, bad. He he came back two years later to the Bond in Never Say Say Never Again, which is the unofficial Bond. Then it was 86 before he, he turned up in Highlander. Um, and then it was then the Rose, Untouchables, Pacifico, Indiana Jones, uh, Hunt for Red October. Okay, uh, the the world's famous, most famous uh, Scottish Russian sub captain. It's just so good in Honda where he, he's a Spanish peacock that spent yeah. so much time in Japan. Japan. He's got a thick Scottish accent. Oh, boy, Zardos was 1974, so uh, the four, four, yeah. Um, so that's I, I, it's probably is it worth watching just for Cl- Cl- um, Connery's part if you're a big fan maybe mm-hmm. I don't know uh, there seems to be a lot of comment in here about contemporary British society in the late mm-hmm. 70s early 80s I didn't live there then so it kind of goes a lot over my head I didn't really get the evil genius character particularly well it wasn't funny he wasn't particularly evil it was just the final scene, the, the battle scene where they, uh, the the, uh, the dwarves turn up with all their, I guess the, 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 their like a tank and some Greek archers and cowboys and stuff to try and fight him was mildly entertaining. Um, I feel like for, for that sequence, it, it should have just gone full Monty, and it 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 would have been so for funny. People had just just clicking coconuts together and stuff like that, and just. Gone. You know what? We're just, we're just literally going to throw every at this and just and just how stupid it is. Let's just fully embrace that. That, but they didn't. They they kept it kind of within the realms of what they'd made made, which is respectful. But... It's yeah. I mean, did you enjoy it though? I mean, if you're you have a nostalgia factor. It's it's always one that I look forward to watching, and then then I get halfway through and I go. I don't remember this. Remember this was so hard to watch. It it feels like what to watch it now. I think about it far more fondly than when I actually watched it. Uh, I think I think it's now one of those most movies where it's going to yeah, just put put that up a shelf. Fond memories. Not not going to watch it again because I know every time I take it out of that seal seal saying wrapper, it gets gets a little older and crustier. It um. I would say it doesn't hold up to to, to mm. 2021. It's um, it's not Gilliam's best work, and uh, no. uh, I was, mm, yeah, it was dis- it was disappointing for me. I was really looking forward to this. It's really highly rated. It's got great ratings, so a seven on IMDb. Mm-hmm. The gods must be crazy. Case in point. What do you mean by that, Miss Foxy B? Is that a film you more fondly remember um, in your memory than when if you watch it today? Mm. Uh, I suspect you'd be right. I suspect that film wouldn't hold up. Um, I think it would be kind of racist um, in 2021. I recall that. I saw that film a lot when I was a kid. Have you ever seen that, George? No. It's a South African movie, uh, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to get a connection to it because it's like it's it was like this little, indie, for, for want of a better term, indie uh, South African movie about a bushman from the Kalahari Desert okay. who somehow finds his way into modern society. So it's a... Uh, Think, think, Crocodile Dundee, 
bit more racist. Okay. Um, but I, in the 80s, when I came out, there was a sequel as well, which is very popular. Um, it, the sequel, um, they, I, I, it, I remember. Necessary, sorry, sequels. Shall we move, you're going to move on to a necessary sequel? Yeah, I don't feel like I've got any more to say on Time Bandits. That's very, very well. Then I well, before you do that, though, you have the keys. Yeah. Yeah, true. I do have, have the keys. And, and um, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a weird choice. I'm going to go to, to Sean Connery's final movie, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Wow, they, they, a much maligned Sean Connery mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was played during production. Um, the sets literally got flat out of pra, pra. Sean Connery and, and um, uh, Steve Norrington, the guy guy who directed the Blade movie, really didn't really didn't like each other apparently. Based off of um, Alan Moore graphic novels of the same name. Which is is fucked up. It is fucked up. Um, and so we will go go and check that one out. I always thought it was such a cool idea for a movie, and I was so disappointed at how yeah. I didn't know if I've actually ever seen the whole thing. Um, but I heard enough to know that uh, it didn't go well, and mm -hmm. it was such a cool idea. And you're like, ah, ah, maybe maybe they should remake that. Yeah. I, I do recommend reading at least the first collected um, books of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because it's really, really good. Really, it's very typical Alan Moore style storytelling with, but not art. It's it's amazing and it's just brew fucking toll. And sure. shit that Mr. Hyde does is insane. insane. They will never, ever, 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 ever. Get the Hulk doing shit like that. That, that, that you're confusing me with someone who has the time to read for pleasure. It's not my fault you chose to be a filthy student. I read. I would like to read. I do like Alan Moore's books. I enjoyed *Beef and Vendetta*. I enjoyed *Watchmen* very much. Um, mm -hmm. So I would love to read it at some point in time. But *League of Extraordinary Gentlemen*, the 2003 much maligned Sean Connery film, will be our film for next week. Now. George is going to tell us about his punishment from last week. Yeah, sorry, this yeah. Is yeah, you are correct. I believe that he's how the film started. Okay. Right. You kind of got to see it. All right. All right. Fair enough. So, yes, because I couldn't make it through young things, I nominated myself for punishment. And Travis, doing it, I'm teasing a potential. Um, you know, crossover of podcasts. He had just watched Poison Ivy for throwback podcasts available on all all good podcasting services, and this inspired him him to let me with Poison Ivy two, starring Alyssa Milano, and Xander Berkeley is the other person in it that I, that I really know. Um, Camilla Bello is in it, but I. I don't actually remember her in it. <laughs> um, and, well, I was talking to one of my workers today, and I had mentioned how I had to watch this, and I ended up watching it at, you know, at 2 a.m. this morning. Because I finished, podcast, uh, finished playing D&D, &D, and then I realized they still hadn't watched this. And, 
and I was talking to her about it. And she went, oh, oh yeah, but that movie, I had such a brush on 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 the guy, um, which is uh, played by Jonathan Shay. Yeah, yeah, uh, a character called uh, Raiden, and I, I was shocked there was anyone who would watch this. And she said, oh, but it had Alyssa Milano in it. And I said, yeah, never, never really. The Alyssa Milano thing, I, I missed all of, um, what that, Charmed. And um, yeah. Yeah, I feel, was, was she Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter in, in Kondo? I think uh, she, I think might, she have might have been, been yeah. But she was on a sitcom yeah. as well, but initially, was it Charles in Charge or Who's the Boss? Some, or... Something like that. Uh, who's, who's the Boss? The boss? They, yeah. 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 So I've, apart from from Mando, I don't know if I ever actually see her in anything. But for those who care, <laughs> there's no one for one. Poison Ivy Two is about the first time I'm out of me. Lily starts a school in LA and she has with other young artistic people, both a teacher, a roomie slash classmate, show interested in her, and. I've not, I've not watched Poison Ivy. I have no intention, intention of watching Ivy. I, I have no, no intention of watching any of the sequels Poison Ivy, Ivy. And I yet have somehow managed to watch Poison Ivy too. And this... I have a feeling that this, this is sort of shit. shit the, the writer of um, fucking Twilight and um, Fifty Shades of Grey series. That I, I imagine this is what they look at and go, yeah. It's hot. This cool because it's it's done as like a, a soft core or a soft erotica. And... I, I we're talking about this last night. I recorded the throwback last night where we reviewed the first Poison Ivy, and I think it was fair to say that the erotic thriller was a staple of the eighties and early nineties cinema, like The Color of Night, Body Heat, Basic Instinct. Yeah, you know, yeah. the sexy you know, erotic thriller was kind of... You don't see them very much anymore. No, no. Um, and I think that's very much a good thing because watching this movie, it's crazy. Not necessarily from your production or anything like that, but Xander uh, uh, Berkeley, who is one of those faces that everyone goes, oh, I know, I know him. Made Todd, um, who is uh, John, John Connor's stepfather, Terminator 2, He's been kind of in a bit of everything. He was actually in a documentary uh, I think I've talked about in the show before called Aren't You That Guy? Yeah. Or something yep. about nature. Uh, basically, he it's a documentary about people who play, you know, character roles, I guess, uh, for yeah. want of a better term, um, in, in popular movies, and people walk up to him yeah. and go, aren't you that guy? And no one actually knows who he is. Yeah. Um, I guess recognise him. Uh, so... It's he is he plays Alyssa Lissano's art teacher, who's such a stereotypical idea of what an art teacher at uni is, and it's it's not what they're like. Um, so I'm certainly not any of the art teachers that I've ever had, um, but the creep factor certainly does go, and he is. Really, really fucking the movie the ends with just just the sound of a woman having um fingered and it's slowly comes come to like reveals him and this 
young person lesson having in uh, as it's later revealed is an art an art and then he kind of just seems to just get bored and step off as off as like this working anymore and she's like all right bye and you never see her again and then cuts to a stereotype type Alyssa Lano turns up turns a bucket hat with sort of like dungarees and this sort of like ill-fitting clothing loads of she's literally fresh off the bus coming into LA she's two wee weeks late get to LA and she finds this house and then she meets uh Greg who's just sort of parking up his his uh out of like it's like my god this is just cliche on our cliche um but then and it doesn't really do anything it i think it's supposed to be to be of an exploration it's not a fucking thrilling thrill i'll put that that straight away this is maybe like a young adult adult drug because it's it's later on there's this one little monologue at the end where um, Lily, Alyssa Malalama's uh, explains trying to justify all the factions for everything that's culminated in the movie. And it's like, yeah, those, those are possible explanations of why you're being a bitch and why you were being, being the way you were, but that doesn't justify any of it. And it, 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 it's kind of, kind of trying to show itself as like, and um, a young girl out of Michigan trying to find who she really is in heart, and you go, have to go through trial by fight to come out and out see what's uh, what's put off, what's what's changed, all of that stuff. Thrown in with very very soft petting, I guess is the the, the sexual element, and uh, LA in the, the like early nineties. Everyone was was just so free and easy, easy to have sex with, and everyone, everyone was just like, "Oh yeah, I'm Alyssa Milano's at the, at this bar. I've set up a an actual bar at this impromptu prompt um house party that they're having, and a guy in a mask comes up, comes up, and it's like, I'm just going to give you, I can't remember what he fuck calls it. It's like it's like the um the warm welcome, I think, and he just gets just starting this uh, piece of down her on her very revealing hop and just kisses her and then walks off as like uh um okay hey fine that's, that's the world they're letting, letting and it just gets creepy because she become uh xander berkeley's character donald becomes obsessed obsessed with he apparently he has this um an, an expectation or or um he is uh has a taste for, for the 21 year old students in his program, which is just fuck fucking feet. And the fact that he looks a lot, lot old, well, it's like, mm, he's not a handsome guy. He's trying to be that so, uh, so like, like, so sophisticated and slowly that it's just unbelievable attractive intelligence and. And um, analytical thing, thinking of art and, and appreciating what it means to be everything, his soul. But it's but it's sort of like no, he's just no, just going. And then just touching, touching her face, gently moving her. It's like this, this, this is like this is like bad fanfic porn. 
it's not good. So I'm going to go on a limb here and say it wasn't good. It was not good. It, it was not good. And it's I got 30, 30 minutes into the movie before I realised I had been ch- checking how much of them should have watched every five minutes. It's a good sign, right? It's just a yeah. uh, one hour, 46 minute film. And that yeah, can yeah. Fit, uh, one hour, 46 can go on a snap of fingers, but uh when it's uh really bad it can feel like four hours yeah that, that, uh, i think i think you've learned your lesson i have learned my lesson very much so very much so and <laughs> should, I, we I, I, something something yes, should we move on to something a little bit yes we move on to something a little bit more pleasing than than yeah, yeah. uh poison ivy too so there are two other sequels to this i believe yeah, um, yeah so right. what what's a good fanfic porn well i believe the um uh of Fifty Shades of Grey started out as um uh, Twilight fan fiction porn. I think so. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, so I wouldn't say it was good. Um, but it was fucking successful. El James made a shit ton of money from that garbage. Um, so uh, otherwise, I wouldn't know anything about that kind of thing. If if you're interested, just check out Reddit. And all of the threads there. Delete the browser history. Delete the browser history. Um, <laughs> no, be proud of porn. Destroy the stigma. <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay. Um, uh, let's go on to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Episode three. Um, episode three. Things are cooking. It, yes, we, we, interestingly, at first, it was pretty much episode took a very similar direction to what you suggested last week of, um, uh, Zemo escaping from prison with uh, Falcon with spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. So anyone else who doesn't identify as either, um, you know, <laughs> if you don't want to know anything about what's happened in in this week's episode, you, you can just skip ahead. Um, so we 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 uh, Zemo played by Daniel Brühl, who's a great actor, great yes. actor, I think, a really underrated actor. Um, with uh, escapes with Bucky and Falcon. Uh, in the sense that he might be able to give them a lead on tracking down the flag smashers, and they take off to Madripoor. Is that what it's called? Madripoor, boy. Yes. Which seemed to be. Is that actually a real, real place? No. Yeah, I didn't think so, but it's a bit of a hodge of styles, a bit uh, um, of like an anti Wakanda in some some ways. Where- so the pirate kingdom would retain their yeah. lawless ways, I think they said in the episode. Yeah, yeah. And um, I like the like the idea as a place. I, I want I want to learn more and more about it. Actually, I believe I did some research on this, and apparently, um, it you probably know better than me. Um, it is a a cut deep cut from actual Marvel comics. It's a it's a location that's been used in Marvel publications before. I don't, don't exactly oh. ask me. Which ones? But apparently, in the past, it was a little bit racist, you know. Um, you know, mm. where you, that miscellaneous, exactly, Miss Foxy, miscellaneous Asian bad guy den, where you would, you know, like, <laughs> you'd, you know, if you were going to cast the um, the Mandarin in his traditional, you mm. know, nefarious Oriental person way, um, that might be some of the kind of characters you'd find in Madripoor. Which hey, um, they've they've. Sp- done a little bit of a, you know, a scrub of that and there's no asian people which is interesting actually i was like isn't this supposed to be in indonesia and there's no asian people there at all mm. yeah it's it's a lot, a lot of what well, look like very 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 typical central europe european people 
Yeah, yeah like, it's a big guys with, with my big muscly guys with tattoos and leather jackets. Like yeah. it's like yeah. a it's like the biker bar from um, uh, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, right? Where he does the tequila dance. Um, um, it's it's that, but, that is terrifying. It'd uh, be fun. It'd be fun to see. It'd be Pee Wee Herman Marvel crossover. That's this week's crossover. Um, <laughs> Pee-wee meets the Guardians. It writes itself, I tell you. Yeah. Um, In uh, space, porkies. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, this uh, this this uh, it kind of gives way to a lot of the that we both really enjoyed. It was uh, too that more of that, that social commentary, and uh, it still keeps some of those those threads going. Like it um, exposes the the current. That of super soldier serum was probably taken from Isaiah, for who we met. We met in episode two. Um, but aside from that, a lot of the the, the social element of this is was gone. And this is a very action orientated um, effort. And uh, we got thirteen Sharon Carter. Um, back back in action after uh, yeah yeah Charter after being um, uh, quite a nice little addition addition to uh, uh, Captain America's soldier uh, played Emily Van Van and uh, she's badass. Yeah, she's good in this. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed seeing her pop up in it in a slightly different role. Um, there were some weak points in this episode for me. Mm. Um, one being again spoilers 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 you've been warned um the scene, the, the scene where where they're in the big meeting so uh we uh bucky and falcon have to uh take on the persona of of uh bad guys uh, bucky basically replays the role of winter soldier while entering madripoor uh with uh zemo and the Falcon has to pretend to be a smiling dragon. tiger. Smiling tiger is a weapon sealer yeah. or, uh, or something like that. Um, and while they're in a meeting with a person that's come to Madripoor to visit, uh, his phone goes off. That's uh, right. Falcon's phone goes. It starts okay. buzzing, and the uh, the very paranoid person they're meeting in for, in, insists that he answer it on speaker. And it's his sister who's nagging him about the bank stuff and the loan stuff from episode one. And calls him Sam, and of course everything goes to shit from there. And I'm like, oh, look, I know yeah. he's not exactly an international man of mystery here, but come on, do we really, really think that Falcon that the Sam is that stupid? He's not that stupid. Uh, it's a, a bit, uh, Foxy rookie, rookie, rookie. He's not that stupid. He's not that naive. It's a very convenient plot device to get the script, get the story to go where it needs to go. Yeah. And then introduce, uh, what's her name? Carter to save her ass afterwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's yeah. also a very convenient plot contrivance that she's having to hide out in Madripoor when people like Winter Soldier have been given pardons, considering what he did. I mean, yeah. she, did steal, she stole the shield and, um, Falcon's wings to give back to him after civil war. Um, but he, he killed, killed people, hundreds, hundreds of people. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, uh, see, those those uh, things that she stole are like American uh, marks. You know, you you just don't touch touch. They don't fuck with those. So, so uh, death 
the sentence to her. Uh, she's allergic to, yeah, and then like, again, a very convenient, uh, mm -hmm. they won't say who they are. Who won't say who they are, Foxy? Um, but it's um, it's a very convenient plot contrivance to get the story where it needs to go. And of course, there's a fight scene on the docks among shipping containers. It's a very, very tropey thing to do. Um, Particularly in MTV. It's like, oh, we, we need an need sequence. Loading dock cheap. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, no one's going to shiver shit if you shoot there, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't have to shoot people away or block streets. Yeah. So, um, it, despite all that, and sorry, my, my sorry, one last, my last uh, little complaint about it was Zemo uh, actually does a really badass thing, and he actually saves Bucky and Falcon at one point here under basically pinned yeah. down by enemy fire. But this, the prior to doing so, prior to saving him, he just has to put his mask on. Yes. Like why? why? You didn't. They know who you are. They know yes. what you look like. They've seen you. Like, what, what, actually what is no, point? I was like, is, is that the mask going to give him some sort of powers or no, has it got no. some, sort of tech, some sort of technology, like your eye things that do something like that? No, it was, they do not. It's, it's a fucking, it's a balaclava is what it is. Yeah, it's a cool, cool balaclava. It's a cool balaclava. I yeah. kind of want, I kind of want one. Um, yeah. But <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you're going to be knocking over a 7-Eleven, um, it really doesn't serve a great deal of purpose, and he wasn't knocking over a Seven Eleven. Um, so he, he, he literally is, he he was stand very obvious to everyone on on top of a shipping container, stood there, pulled it on all, all dramatically, and then jumped up to and started sing. And then the next thing you see, he sees an expensive car and sits it, and he's not wearing his mask anymore. Um. I thought so too. I thought it was going to go somewhere, Foxy, but it really didn't go anywhere. With um, my Foxy stuff, so I thought it was something to do with the masked uh, superhero, is it? Um, but uh, it didn't go anywhere, and it was just a. It was almost fan service because I assume he wore that mask. So masked super soldiers, Foxy said. I assume he wore the mask in the comics, so that's yeah. why that was why that was yeah. there. It was a bit the of fan service. Collars on his jacket and the mask. There's a kind of classic Zemo costumes. So, I've been complaining a lot here, but that said, it was a solid episode. Yeah. One of those episodes that moves the story forward, I mm. think they really need to hit the next one out of the park, though. Mm -mm. I feel like the first one didn't really land for me. The second one was so It was a marked improvement in the storytelling as well as well, character work. Everything just really came into and clicked. And this one... Daniel Brewer is fantastic. Said said it before. I'll say it again, he is awesome. And I feel like maybe they just had had two people um, coming in, because they had him coming in and affecting the relationship. Chip that only just got of Bucky, Bucky and Sam back together. Ever, and maybe it was a little early to have another big element there. Not not only Mo, but then you suddenly have Shikata come back in as well. And she still steal show in her fight sequences because she looked fucking cool and cool. And it's like like, oh there's a lot but also not much. It, yeah, it was you're right. There's a lot going on but really nothing of substance in there. Yeah, um yeah. interestingly we do see some development of the fake Captain America and it really started yeah. to sort of give us push the character towards the evil sort of mm -hmm. character we we think he's going to become and it, interestingly and disappointingly white russell has said he has received death threats for his role as captain america 
which is just such a 2021 thing to actually be happening right now. I mean, the guy plays, he plays it really effectively because he's really obnoxious and that's why they hired him. Um, Fans are stupid. (laughs) People are stupid. I mean, like, he's going to lose his shield by the end of the series. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) He's not keeping it. They're not making a movie with White Russell in it. Um, I, I don't think so. Um, oh. really, so, I'm, I'm enjoying it still. I, I thought mm, it was mm. fine. Um, I think it's still, I think it's still got potential to be a really good series and, and sort mm. of maybe better than WandaVision. Uh, it's someone I know, this halfway point is the thing, thing like, okay, there's still got a lot to re- reveal here, really. Like, who is the power broker? That whole ep- episode three is power broker. We don't meet the power broker. No, we know, and unless a twist and it's Sharon Carter or something like that. Uh, um, but you know, it, you know, it's, it's halfway point. Point. Like, ooh, you, I feel like you still have a lot of story to tell in three episodes. And so I kind of like felt like this one a little bit like the episode in in One Division where they just told Wanda's backstory again. Yeah, uh, and it was like that. If you go back and watch the episode, we we're kind of like, okay. I knew all that. Maybe I didn't yeah. see all that, but I knew it. Yeah, I yeah. don't feel any differently about her now because of it. I mean, some people maybe did. I didn't. Um, yeah. And this one, I was like, not it's not quite the same. It's like, okay, that was kind of cool. Sharon Carter's cool. Zemo's cool. But what do we actually achieve in this episode? Yeah. We, we found yeah. out there was a power broker. That's kind of interesting. You know, we get another look at the Flag Smashers being... Robin Hood esque characters, yeah. In the sense that they're robbing this global relief agency and giving it to the people in the refugee camp. So I stand by my previous statement that maybe they won't be all bad. Though interestingly, that in the, they decided to they agreed that basically they blew the place up and killed the people inside. Yeah. Maybe I think well, maybe they are going to be big bads after all. I I was five five the the elements where they, they were Kakatu uh Big Morgan Thal and just her de- dealing uh death of the relative and just that kind of shaking her. I, I found found that compelling story storytelling this episode so far. And then it, it suddenly I didn't believe it when she just let people die. I feel like oh okay, yeah. I I feel like you needed to get to a point, but I feel like I missed a, a key character moment to to, to accept, accept that as your next step there. um and it just like it felt a little jarring suddenly going from they making an effort to make sure the place, places they were attacking were it was uh, security guards or people that worked for them and, and innocent not involved to suddenly going, going yeah that's what i am now it's like Aw. it was a little the motivation was a bit weak yeah. Um, but then again, when I mean, you've got six episodes, you get six hours of story to tell. Yeah. yeah. You are kind of pushing it a little bit. Um, you yeah. can't get that. Everything doesn't get. They should. They should, they should. use the screen time from the episode of WandaVision where they just retold the told the backstory. You put it in here so that they have more time. <laughs> no, it's a, I mean, it's the kind of thing when if they get this wrong, right? Mm. If, if we get to the end, like I felt rushed. Yeah. yeah. Then they've got no one to blame it themselves because they're making it for Disney. Disney are making it for Disney. So, yeah. you know, they, they've got no excuses. I'm fairly certain if Marvel had come back and said, we want seven episodes to tell this story, <laughs> Disney possibly go, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're one of 24, well, yeah, 
that's maybe mm-hmm. a bit different, you know, yeah. considering WandaVision had nine. Um, before we transition off, off Marvel, did you see the trailer for Loki? I did. You read my, my mind. I was going to segue into that Loki trailer. And now, now the first Loki trailer, a bit of a hodgepodge all over the place, very, very much just kind of reminding you of a little bit, not really giving you any of what the story of season is potentially going to be. This new trailer, trailer two, we get a lot more of what is actually going on, on and we get again really nice to see ramifications of actions in the movie. These they uh, in in the they talk about how Loki takes uh, um, uh, Odin's cube thing and and dis- and um, Olsen's character character to affect the timeline. We call back to what. Uh, Tilda Swinton's character was talking about, about with Smart Hulk in Avengers Avengers the game about that potentially happening. So, so it's great to see that they've got those got those locations. It's gonna, gonna be interesting to see how they, how they play because it seems like they like they be jumping from different potential timeline to the potential timeline. So we may very well, well see a lot of characters is in very, very different different representations. This is feels like it could be a bit of a lead into the, the what what if is that is coming. I mean, I'm very curious. I'd be disappointed if they're going to be jumping around in time like that. I felt mm. it was a massive opportunity that they've missed here, not to include um, a, a, a band of dwarfs who were stealing people, stealing things um, in in the plot, along with Loki. Um, you don't know that's going to happen. happen. <laughs> not the trailer. They could surprise us, I suppose. Um, what do you make of Owen Wilson? It's a, it's a bit of a different role for him. It's not his typical straight comedy. He has generally been in Mayfield. He's obviously done, done serious roles and things in the past. Um, don't quite, quite know what his, his relationship... I, I, I feel like he's going to be almost like a PO for, for Loki's prisoner kind of, kind of thing, and that that touch and maybe a little bit of that buddy cop hop vibe to it. I don't know. It's, I kind of like it. I don't know why. Um, I'm glad to see Owen in something again. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's been a while. The last thing I saw him in was that thing he did with, um, on, on Amazon prime um, with, um, Oh yes. With, with Julia Roberts, right? Not Julia Roberts. No, the, uh, the other one. Um, Summer hike. Summer hike, and that was yeah. weird, 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 and not in a good way. So <laughs> I'm curious to see him pop up in something Marvel related. I'm very fucking excited that Richard E. Grant's involved, who is far and away one of my favorite actors. You know, yeah. coming holiday by mistake. Um, <laughs> Threaten me with a dead fish. Um, <laughs> I demand the f- finest wine <laughs> you man. man. <laughs> um, so we are fans. And Richard e. Grant was my favorite thing about the last Star Wars movie as well, nice. being the evil Imperial captain. He was so good at that. Um, so I'm excited. He hasn't got a title. His character doesn't have a name yet. I don't recall seeing him in the trailer. Um, no, so, I don't think I saw him either. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what becomes of that. And I look, I mean, Hiddleston has been far and away one of the most compelling characters uh, playing Loki in the series so far and we've said many many times that their villains tend to be a weak point so i i can't wait yeah i still maintain that it's uh the only thing that 
that's kind of tainted with Loki is he's not a villain, a, no, no, out, out villain anymore. He's he's an anti. Um, but that that thing. Oh, here we go. <sighs> uh, I think we have our co-host Foxy. Um, your your hey. dog delivery has arrived. There he is. There's our, uh, our co-host. And he's a bit camera shy. But, um, we did get a special request. We got a special request this evening to show more Archimedes tonight, and that's what we, you know, um, if you ask, we deliver. You ask for Archimedes, we delivered. Um, so there you go. There we go. Archimedes vision for the evening. We should have to get a, like a second camera for you, so you can. Archimedes. <laughs> now going into the hot seat there. Archimedes, what's going on? Archimedes. Yeah, Archimedes. It's an interesting analysis there, Archimedes. Are, are, are you saying it's really about man being humanity to man, or you know, uh, the use of Tom Peterson as a Christ figure? What do you? Uh... <laughs> There he is. There's a man. We're going to suddenly get more viewers. I don't think um, Archimedes Cam is necessarily a bad thing. Um, Huskies are to he is a talker. When he feels like it. Not really. He, he owns. I don't know if that is the, the same. It's about talking, yeah. Every now and now he does a CD Wonder impression. But uh, that's it. <laughs> he did, he, I did live with Archimedes for a little while at my house in Thomastown, and he is a uh, a dog who is knows his own mind. Yep. He, he will do what he wants to do. Uh, yep. And you will not be. He will not be told <laughs> differently he's by many people. Husky. Yes, yes, he is a brusky. He is. There's in every in every way he's broken. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he's a he's a he's a he's a very attractive dog. Is it a husky? He's a, he's a husky, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me show. <laughs> Huskies and Malamutes confuse me. <laughs> Malamutes are bigger. They've got a more of a bear kind of face. Face. Uh, anyway, so there we go. That um, uh, that is our our That's third coast. Marvel update. A Marvel update. Very excited. <laughs> Loki comes out next month on Disney Plus or mm -hmm. on Torrents for the rest of us who won't pay for their shit. <laughs> uh, um, while we're talking superheroes, so you, mm -hmm. I actually saw this man in person for the mm -hmm. second time within a month, I think, which is yeah. Remarkable considering our track record. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw you a month or three or four weeks ago. It was the first yep. time in about eight months, your birthday last year. Um, so when I and I we went to the wrestling on Friday night. Um, Rock. Uh, if you uh, shout out to Wrestle Rock, they have a show on May fifteenth. If you're interested, and you're local. Um, and we you put me onto a new show on Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, a, a an animated superhero series called Invincible, and this is a fucking universe away from Marvel people. If you're thinking yeah. we're going to sit here and rant again like we did about um, uh, Justice League or any of the shit we just talked about, this is very, very different. Um, one of the creators of this is Robert Kirkman. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Robert Kirkman, he's probably best known for his work on The Walking Dead. 
yeah. uh, amongst other things. Fever Walking Dead. Um, <sighs> some stuff with Creepshow, maybe. Um, yeah. uh, I, uh, he is, uh, I guess, put it that, put it lightly, well known for his work in Horace Horror. Um, so I think we actually reviewed it on my other podcast, which is unfortunately discontinued, King for a Day. Um, we reviewed um, one of King's uh, co uh, compilation movies. Um, I can't remember the name of it. George Romero wrote some of it, directed some of it. Um, but it might have been one of the Creepshow 2, or maybe Creepshow 2, actually. Um, and um, Robert Kirkman worked on that. Yeah. And I was like, my God, it's like... Um, it's like horrorception. It's like all the all the stars <laughs> in the world of horror line. Romero, King, Kirkman. Um, yeah, it was Creek Show Two, um, okay. which isn't very good. But uh, one of the one of the sections, they actually had a special effects guy who walked out on the production halfway through, and so Robert Kirkman actually had to finish it. It was like the first thing he'd ever done, and he was working with like George Romero and Stephen King. You're like, how cool is that? Um, I'm sorry, I'm nerding out. All right, now let's do a bit of a um, sissies, shall we? Shall we? The son of a most powerful superhero is about to become something greater than himself, something bold, something useful, something thing invincible. From the comics to the screen, invincible, invincible is Mark Grayson's journey becoming um, an Earth's next defender after his father, Nolan Grayson. Also known as Omni Man. That's a very basic descriptor. Uh, great cast. Uh, so, Mark is voiced by Stephen Yeun, who probably best knows. He's been nominated for an Academy Award this year, I believe. Yeah, uh, um, And probably best known for his role on The Walking Dead. Um, Sandra O plays his mother, Debbie. J.K. Simmons plays his father, Om Nolan, aka Omni Man. But, and he even looks like J.K. Simmons. Like, he's really, yeah. really awkward. Like, he looks like yeah. J. Jonah Jameson as a superhero. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> I, I want to I wanna put, put this point with you in a second is, does it detract from the characters when you know exactly who they are? Like, you never stop thinking that's J.K. Simmons, but we'll come back to that. Yeah, uh, we'll other big names in here, Walton Goggins. Uh, Mark Hamill would be my perfect example. As soon as I heard his character... That's Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, Clancy Brown, Seth Rogen. I believe Seth Rogen actually um, produced this. His him yes. in um, uh, uh, Mahashala Seth, Ali, yeah. Mahashala Ali, Michael Dawn, John Hamm. It's a all hands on deck, uh, huge cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every in there. I, I, holy shit! I didn't even realize Zachary Quacky quitted the voice of robot. Um, and Zay, oh, sorry, I forgot Zazie Beats. Name, uh, you probably know her. She Zazie was Beats. In, yeah. She was in Joker as um, as his uh, love interest with Dan the Hall. And she, she um, also put Domino in uh, Pool 2. That's right. So I'm very rude of me not to mention her. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge star studded cast. Yeah, yes. uh, and as you sort of know, it's basically a, a really a parody of the Justice League uh, yeah. initially. And. Man, I, I want to go spoiler free with this one because I, I can't tell you how much I want my audience to watch this. People, yeah. if you like if you like superhero films, if you like horror films, if you like hard edge superhero films, think mm -hmm. Super, the James Gunn film, which no one saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's 
um, if you like if you like horror and you like superheroes, you're going to enjoy this. Uh, yeah. It's got a super hard edge to it, and it, yeah. the first episode is an absolute masterpiece because it lulls you into this false sense of security. We um, I will spoil it by saying we see the Guardians of the Globe, who are the Justice League. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it's, it, they are they are they are that simile so obviously it's on the money. So Omni Man is Superman. We've got the yeah. Red Russian instead of um, Flash. We've got yeah. uh, the uh, Wonder Woman character, a Black Woman character, a Black character, Batman character, and Aquaman character. It's it's really just but, but we see them foiling an attack on the White House by a couple supervillains. And it's all fairly G-rated. Yeah, it's it's nicely done. It's always like a Super Friends cartoon. Yeah, uh, and it, it's it's with a nice sort of more contemporary edge to it. Um, but the end of the episode, and I'm not going to say what happens. It's fucking brutal. Uh-huh. One of the most brutal things I've seen in a comic, like, sorry, an animated series before i mean maybe rick and morty might pull it off but it would be played for laughs yeah this is, um, not, played for this laughs. is not played for laughs it is brutal there was one particular thing that happened to one of the characters and you were like and i i, I probably have to talk to you after air yeah, because i was like <laughs> oh is it what happens to the red russian russian no what happens to the wonder woman parody um, okay. yeah yeah <laughs> um so it, but uh, but I, should I just note in case there's anybody watching who's fancy fairly sensitive, no sexual violence. Yep, no sexual nothing violence. like that, which I think is probably just a step too far. Um, yep. if, you're thinking, if you think when I say hard edge, really hardcore, nothing like that. No, nothing, nothing of that nature, but really violent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got this really weird two track story going here between Mark sort of discovering uh, his his powers as a you know, think of a half Kryptonian, so Superman's kid. Um, uh, and he's also thinking of him kind of having a Spider-Man-y element as well because he's in high school. And well, that's it, yeah. There's, there's, like, half of it is, like, Titans. Where it's, like, young, young teenagers, young adults playing in that superhero thing, coming together as a group. A lot of the typical high school drama element of it is, like, like, oh, meets girl boy likes girl blah 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 drama drama but then it's just opposed by by very very biting realistic just casual casual conversations with these adult superhero heroes all the something like like grizzled superheroes like the sequence with uh, the the russian at the picnic he's just talking talking to his friend and it's, it's actually really kind of kind of interesting conversation that they have. It's not about really anything to do with with what happened to the show, beyond just, just a literal slice of life moment of a superhero and how that life of their their partner. It's it's brilliant. It's brilliantly done. It's it's well done on, on multiple levels. The the action is outstanding, and I enjoy the harder edge to it. Okay. Um, the exploration of it what life might really be like if you're a a superhero type character going to high school is interesting the adult life of omni-man and his wife and how they relate to each other is Mm -hmm. interesting how a superhero dad and son relate to himself 
is really quite interesting. It's and I, I it's so well it's perfectly I would say perfectly balanced. Perfectly balanced. Because you have a fairly we, we know what happened at the end of the first episode. The characters in the show do not know what happened at the end of the first episode. So we have a sense of impending dread because we know what potentially is coming. Well, we let's face it, we know what's coming. Um, and that revelation, we start to get to know these characters. We get to like these characters. So we have a, a sense of impending personal or emotional threat to what's going to happen to these characters we love. It's going to tear apart characters in relationships we've started to feel a part of in a way. And an incredible sense of impo impending physical threat um, by what's coming or what we are fairly sure is going to happen because a physical threat that is impossible to defend against is 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 waiting in the wings uh, yeah. in series. I'm sorry I'm trying to be very cryptic without yeah. actually giving it away um, it's so good I just can't I love like, the interact that um, Grayson has with Alan the alien and and this little bit like the 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 way yeah, it's it's not really a, a, a spoiler, but but there's an egg that seems to periodically come to Earth, and Omni Omni Man has always been the person that stops him, him coming, um, and and he just falls off, and uh, <laughs> so it goes up for the first time. He's kind of taking taking over this this responsibility. He uh, flies up and has, and has this pretty cool fight with Alien. Just, Sit down, down, and they realize, oh, there's a clerical error. error. <laughs> it's like you're you're from you're from Uraf, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> it's just a it was very funny. Error. It's 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 weird, right? Because that's almost a a Rick and Morty esque gag, yeah. right? That would be right at home in Rick and Morty. Um, yeah, yeah. And most of his show, the comedy is fairly subtle. Mm -hmm. It's a very broad comedy moment, but but it works. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, it really worked, and I'm like, I, I was so surprised. I'm like, because it kind of took us me. It's like none of the rest of the episodes at that tone. Yeah, it's just yeah. in there, and you're like, oh, okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, but it's um, unlike what I, I feel has happened in like in so many TVs where there's a lot of filler episodes. This one just kind of informs you more about the characters and it, it, it educates you to see more development of the characters in the series as well. Well, it's like, okay, these these, these human moments, these human interactions, this is how those those other things, other scenes in other, other scenes should really be played. It shouldn't, shouldn't be kind of a, meanwhile, in the universe A. <laughs> it, um, it, so this is based on an actual physical comic, so this is mm -hmm. not something that's been made just for TV. Um, the Invincible comics, I think, were about 20 years ago or something. No. no. Invincible Maybe. first appeared as part of Savage Dragon 101, August 2002. <gasps> oh, that I don't like, like that. <laughs> it's own, first appearance in his own title in 2003, so it's 18 years ago. Oh, um, okay. Wow. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so it was, the comic book was written by Kirkman as well. Yes. Um, so it's and really they, nice. they absolutely nail artwork as well. Well, if you're looking at the animation of this, it, it is literally ripped from the, the comic. They haven't gone with any of the different style, anything, and it just catches the beauty of it. 
the simplicity of the artwork in the comics was beautiful and, and especially in contrast to so many many other comics out there the, the use of color the line work all fantastic and the paneling and, and they just so successfully transplant that, that into moving animation it's really quite impressive it was um yeah i can't speak highly enough for it um definitely one for when the kids have gone to bed yeah. definitely one for the kids who got it not for children yeah um, yeah and i i am a we talked about it i think before but in a lot of other parts of the world animation isn't just for children mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. it's very much a western conceit that it's just for kids Go yeah. to, you know very well i bought you back an example from japan yes. of that and you gave you gave uh, me a restaurant you asked <laughs> <laughs> I, I give. I'm a giver. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a gift from Travis, a public place, if it comes in a thin in plastic <laughs> bag. bag. It really did. Should have got. You should have seen the. You should have seen the look that I got from the guy I bought it off. Um, it was. Um, <laughs> it was worth every penny. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that this is a great example of when animation can work for adults. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and there's an increasing number of those going around. Yes, I absolutely agree. Abs absolutely agree. All right, all right. Do you want to have a quick, a quick talk about uh, the courier, and I'll talk a little yes. bit about May for Love? Uh, we're 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 winding down here, ladies, gentlemen, everyone else in between, and undecideds. Um, <laughs> I went to the movies yesterday. If you're uh, again. Like, one of our friends uh, based in another country, envious. We have no no COVID here, so touch wood. Um, and uh, <laughs> good time for a cough. Um, and we're allowed to go to the movies. Uh, so I went down the road to my local uh, my local village, and I checked out the Courier, which is the latest Cold War spy thriller starring uh, Benedict Bandersnatch. Um, and <laughs> I can't be back, sorry. Uh, and, and just for anybody who feels like commenting in the chat or commenting later if you're like Carrot Kitty, is Benedict Cumberbatch hot? I've spoken to two people in the last 24 hours who have divergently different ideas about that point. Um, but anyway, he plays Cold War spy Gravel Win, and his Russian source tried to put an end to the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's a very brief synopsis. Um, is, is this on a, on a real thing? This is based on a true story. Okay. Uh, so Benedict plays Greville Wynn, who is a British businessman. Who We're not exactly sure what kind of business he is, but he works with the best manufacturers, as he says so, Metal Times. And he uh, <laughs> has to travel a little bit around Europe occasionally and has been known to do business in, East, in Eastern, the Eastern Bloc, in Hungary, Czechoslovakia, that kind of thing. I reckon he works for the same military group that, that uh, the people from Raiders of the Lost Ark because they have they have the, like, the, the top, the men. top men. <laughs> he's actually not a he's actually not a, a spy or any kind at all. He's a um, he literally is a a, a businessman, um, and he um, as I say he, he works in Eastern Europe. Meanwhile, we have a uh, a Russian uh, colonel wants to start supplying information to the americans because he's afraid of what khrushchev might do uh, in terms of starting a nuclear war this is prior to the cuban missile crisis he's played by mirab ninidzi 
I'm probably pronouncing it extremely poorly. Um, I, I don't. He is Russian. I, I don't think I've seen him in anything before, but he's very good in this. He plays Oleg Penkovsky, uh, and he passed some information to some Americans successfully, and they are very keen to start uh, using him as a source. But they feel like because he's such a high-profile member of the Russian leadership, that he is Soviet leadership, that he will they won't be able to use a regular spy or regular asset like somebody out of one of the, um, okay. you know, the American or British embassies because that would be too obvious. So they attempt to recruit um, Grover Wynn because he has the perfect excuse to be there. He is a, a well-known businessman who actually does business in communist countries and it's perfectly natural for him to try and extend that into, into the Soviet Union and start to sell whatever it is he sells to the yeah. Soviets. And that they will use him as uh, initially... Uh, a way to contact um, Pankovsky, but later on as an actual way to courier information from Pankovsky back to the West. Um, and that's kind of our setup. Uh, in addition to Benedict Cumberbatch and Mirab, who's I'm not going to cry about surname again, um, better well-known name faces in here, Jesse Buckley plays uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's wife. Uh, Jesse Buckley, for those who listen regularly, might remember she was the young woman in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the uh, Charlie Kaufman oh, yeah. which is fucking weird, but she's amazing in it. Um, and she, I think, is one of my most watched actresses. She's going to be a big, big star. Okay. Um, uh, and she's probably the other sort of well-known face in here. Um, this is a fairly straight-ahead Cold War spy movie. Okay. Uh if any of you, it's directed by Dominic Cook, uh, who name isn't isn't instantly familiar to me. I don't think I've seen anything he's ever done before. Uh, he's fairly early on in his career. Have you ever watched The Bridge of Spies, which I think was a Spielberg film, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, with Tom Hanks, right? And um, uh, Mark Rylance. Um, yeah. He, Mark Rylance won his Oscar for that. That's um, right. uh, if you ever watched Bridge of Spies before, could this be more British? Um, <laughs> less colour in life, you know, less artful. You know, could we just is, 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 is it um, like taking it to, get to the um, Gary Oldman um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite that. Not quite that technical. It's probably it's more easy. I found that very hard to watch and hard to follow. Yeah. Um, this is a lot easier to follow than that. Uh, it's fairly straight ahead, right? So, you know, he goes to Russia. He puts himself in great risk to, you know, help his country. But Cuban Missile Crisis pops up, and all of a sudden, he's got to go back one last time, one last job, one day before retirement. And, you know, um, <laughs> all the while, his wife, played by Jesse Buckley, she gets a really bad run in this film, actually, and that found it bother me a little bit because um, it was a very tropey thing to do. It's a real trope in movies, like... Oh, you know, only if his wife had get out of a great man's way and let him get on with doing whatever he's doing, you know what I mean? Like, you think of, um, you ever saw Walk the Line, uh, Johnny Cash's first oh, wife in that film, yeah. was such a, she was really whining and complaining and always like, well, you're going away too much, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, like, I don't know if his real wife was actually like that or not, but but it's a real trope and, and it kind of bothered me, but they were sort of going down that path here because basically he's had an affair at some point in the past she doesn't trust him. And so there's massive pressure on him to stop going 
from a personal risk perspective uh, and from a, a, you know, a, a relationship perspective. But I guess where, what does balance that out is the real strength of a relationship formed between Greville and Penkovsky. You really believe that they've actually built a friendship. Yeah. And you don't see that very often in a spy movie. You actually spend some time working on the relationship between two of the characters um, yeah. who are working together in this, uh, in this instance. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed it overall. It's just like I just forgot about it the minute I walked out of the theatre. Um, other than, I guess, Googling the real guy and figuring out, that, oh, yeah, that really did happen. Um, yeah. It just – we've seen it before, right? I mean – yeah. Bridge of Spies did it better. Um, this is maybe a little bit more, what do you call it, historically accurate. Um, yeah. Less less showy. Bridge okay. of Spies, there's no courtroom drama here. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, the spy movies, they such a trope, right? I've been doing them for a long time. If we went to the 60s, I'm sure there'd be dozens of films about, you know, Western operators who gets, who, you know, risking their lives and trying to smuggle intelligence out of uh, Russia. I kind of feel like they're, they're a genre, genre of themselves, and we're, we, I think we think we kind of point where it's extremely hard to, to deliver one that, that feels unique or fresh. It it's, really you know, is. It's kind of kind of all been done. Yeah, and and we've not had. Yes, there have always consistently been wars since, since World War and the Cold War, but nothing as it's marketable as world wars and, and the cold where there were very very obvious clear cut good and bad characters in this the nazis were bad the, the russians bad and then going into a cold cold war like well no one's really good or bad we can play play with that fine and then go, going to like afghanistan and and all of the the multitude of little wars all over the world it's like like too soon? Is it too soon for, for a spy movie? Well, they've been done. Dark Zero Dark Thirty, you know. Um, you know. Um, yeah, a spy or, um, Syriana had a spy-ish element to it. Um, yeah. I think there have been lots of movies made about the war. The war on terror has been going for almost 20 years now. Jesus. So there have been plenty of movies made. I don't know the whole lot of spy movies made out of it because I don't know what kind of role spies have in that war to a great degree. It's very exactly. much a war of, um, you know, drones and, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But yeah, there was definitely I, a spy element to Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, you have know, the, the scenes of, like, the characters following the people around the markets in Pakistan and yeah, and yeah, bugging yeah, drones and yeah. um, that kind, kind of, of thing. I feel like that would be something you could do. do. It, you know, it is, it is drones. And, you know, there, there was that, that little lip of, of team where it was, like, one person on screen and you've got, like, phone booth you've got Ryan uh, Reynolds in Buried. Um, I kind of feel like you could sort of do something like that just with a drone operator who's, who's literally on the real time point. Eye in the Sky did something like that about five or six years ago, the Helen Mirren, uh, Aaron Paul film. If you haven't seen Eye in the Sky, it's, it's excellent. Um, but it's all about drone operators and that kind of it's, it's kind of, I mean, look, I'm not dissing the courier. The courier's fine. If you're heading down to the movies with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever on a, on a Saturday night and you're like, that film looks all right. No, that's the one starting soon. You're going to enjoy it. It's fine if you like spy movies. Benedict gets naked in it. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, not my kind of guy. Um, uh, but you know, it, it's yeah. Um, if that's your thing, well, you know, you, you, there's a bit, of, bit of Benedict bum in there. Uh, <laughs> Benedict uh, bum. <laughs> um, uh, so you know, but it's it's perfectly competently made. It's perfectly fine. Just it's a perfect expect, formula movie. Just don't expect to, which is fine, right? I mean, you're not every movie's gone for wind or, you know, uh, Citizen Kane or something. Just don't expect it to be setting your world on fire. And if you don't like spy movies, I'd give it a miss. I don't think yeah. you're going to. Nothing, nothing particularly special about this one that's going to elevate it above what most normal spy movies are. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm just going to quickly talk about episode one of a new Amazon Prime show called Made for Love. Starring my quickly developing thing, favorite, um, favorite actresses, uh, Kristen Nilotti, who was the, the, the female lead in Palm Springs. She also, also played the the mother in How I Met Your Mother, apparently. Um, so she, you're forgetting that she was in Black Mirror, she was in me. the uh, USS Callister. That's what most people know. She was in USS Callister in Black Mirror, um, in the uh, Star Trek parody episode. She was wonderful in it. There you go. But Made for Love is a young, is a young um, on the run after 10 years in, in a suffocating marriage to a, te- to a tech billionaire, suddenly realized that her husband has implanted a revolutionary monitor device in her, her brain that allows him to track her, her every move, move. The comedy series is, is a darkly absurd and cynically poignant story of divorce. Follows Hazel Green, a 30 something year old, and on the run after 10 years in suffocating marriage to Byron Gogol. A controlling technically, and that sums it up. This, this series has, has also got Ray Romano in it, and I don't know if I've ever consumed any Romano content. That straight sounded more dirty in my mind than it meant to be. Um, you know, like, yeah, I've never like, like Effie loves Raymond. Raymond, I've never watched that or, or anything. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the Big Sick, you really must put it on your list. Because I'm with you, actually. I never liked Everyone Loves Ray or whatever it was called. Um, I I hated it. But um, so I think actually the first and only Ray Romano thing I ever saw was um, The Big Sick. Oh, no, tell a lie. lie. He voiced Manfred in Ice Age, and I've watched watched the throw. So there there, there we go. (laughs) Um, But but yes, um, it's really early early on, but it's, it's kind of cool and weird and it's it's that similar kind of production feel vibe and and that sardonic comedy element but up against like slightly serious point poignantly as um uh as, as part rings and you know obviously, obviously that is that's similar to only further because of Kristen, but it's it's kind of good. I'm gonna gonna go back for more. Uh, where released, are you watching it? Uh, on the Prime Video. Um, so only the first uh, three episodes are currently available. Uh, so four, five, five, six, and then it seems like they're doing a couple of episodes. So drops every every couple of weeks or something like that, uh, or once a week they drop three three episodes. Um, I'm curious about about it. Definitely got. Uh, something to it i don't know how far that's going to go but but i'll, I'll give it does more, sound more intriguing later on, later on. yeah she's it's certainly an interesting you know, idea. 
the 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 implant kind of reminds me of the, the black black mirror at the grain and, and so the mixed... total um yeah what was it with total history of us yeah yes yes it um so mix that with a bit of palm palm sings and you're probably in the right kind of ballpark of what what's how this this series feels um, there's also also a bit of remember that uh, um, series we we watched uh, upload. Which is called sorry? Upload. Oh yeah 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 but I like that. Yeah, there's 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 a little that kind of feel feel to it. Well, it's not not um, as as sweet as that or or comedy buzzed as as that. Is a it, it definitely definitely skews skews darker than upload, but it's it, it, you know there's there's a little bit of that 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 flavor to it. So it's worth having a look. Is it play for laughs or is it play for creep value more, you reckon? Never. It's like there's not been any out and out funny bits. It's like that, that a little cringe comedy, but that that kind of close to home is like, oh, yeah, no, just laughing about it for the fact or, or kind of, kind of feeling of you know the, the the serotonin release afterwards and you know that's it's kind of like uh, um the you you see um that's, that's amazing or she escapes from them this um hack and and i don't know whether, whether they just used the week where something bad happened or or if it was just a well-planned thing that it plays perfectly perfectly and she did really 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 well um, I won't, won't spoil it because I just I just want what you, if you watch it, it what your take on it is whether it's an accident that, that they came because it worked, if it was planned. But either way, it's sort of, sort of like that's okay. All right, cool. <laughs> I, I, it sounds moderately interesting. If I have time, I might check it out. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're tough life after the student. Yeah. I, I've got I got you mean as uh, Foxy B observed uh, earlier, it's. Uh, Reading um reading actual scientific papers is not necessarily easy. Uh, it gets a bit where they have the actual math involved in what they've decided to study, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna take your word for it. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, not the sort of thing that you're gonna really want to have to have on order. That's for sure. Foxy, Ray Romano, awful, and I can't send his voice. Please. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was. I don't. It, it was. It wasn't. Um, his his TV show wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I've kind of run out of things to talk about. Next, next week, I do want to talk about um, the new Square Enix game that came that came at end of last week. Um, Outriders available on on PlayStation, Xbox, and it's on, on X Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a bit divisiony, a bit is of warish. Little bit of, of anthem in a minute too. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying it. It's a, it's a you can go through the story on, on your on your own, or you can team up with two other friends. I uh, I'm looking for friends. <laughs> I need uh, friends. Um, if he, <laughs> yes. uh, could this be the first time we break the curse? Oh, and actually, you get to play. <laughs> Oh, oh, not that curse. There are many curses. There are 
there are a plethora of curses um only the other curses where you find a new game and you go i really like this and then like six months later they shut it down they're like Sorry, that game, no one's making it anymore. You know, like I hadn't even thought about that. What was the other one? Was it Bloodborne or one that you played instead of Borderlands? Um, or Battleborn, yeah, the Overwatch thing. It had enough friends to Overwatch, I think. I know, but it just kind of got mixed up at the time. It just kind of looked a little bit like Overwatch, you know, which is like, it was like weak of each other or something it's like it was like the 800 pound gorilla in the room was overwatch and no one's like i know i was gonna play battleborn no matter how good it was he has a he has a uh, the kiss death i really really do um <laughs> but yes i will i will be talking about that because i've probably already put about 20 hours into it this week um actually next week you probably won't really won't know because i'm being on holiday for the first time in 16 years wow yeah i'm actually going somewhere where i've never been before uh, the express idea is writing or actually going, going out eating things and doing doing stuff like sitting in cafes and doing doing nothing it's crazy talk i know it's weird People keep keep saying, "Oh, why then now? Because it's all ra- rainy." Like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> Not raining yet. It's actually beautiful. Like, it was I'm actually very much looking forward to going to the football because I've been going to football again this year. Uh, I'm looking forward to going without putting sunscreen on. It just feels wrong putting sunscreen yeah. on going to the football. <laughs> um, but it's been what so warm. And, it's been warm and sunny here. It's 28 degrees tomorrow. So, um, oh, I mean, it's Queensland land. It's um, apparently going to get a like 50% chance of rain. Oh, okay. Well, flooding. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hopefully they uh, don't close the state. Don't put that shit out there, man. <laughs> it happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've had enough bad luck. I'm having good luck now. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fingers crossed for you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Missy Missy, for jumping in the chat there. Even though most of it was about Archimedes, which um, this this for you. Please, Cam. There you you go. Last last hit of husky goodness. Those of you who listen to the actual podcast. We should inspire you to check out the recorded yes. one because I'm sure it made no sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, the quick, quick round of show, we talked about Time Bandits, our latest, latest chain movie. I have chosen Sean Connery's last acting role of the League of Extremes as our next movie. Um, I, um, I also watched Poison Ivy 2 2 as penalty for not finishing Bright Young Things. Uh, uh, we talked about Falcon and Winter Soldier episode 3. We talked about about first three Well, we. we Cautiously talked about um, Invincible, the first couple of episodes without any spoilers. Um, Travis talked about The Courier, starring, starring Benedict Batch. And I gave you thoughts on, on the new Amazon Prime show, Made for Love. Exciting. Uh, wait, thank you very much for listening. If you are uh, keen, you enjoy the show, jump on the Facebook page. Uh, the uh armchair producers george can maybe remember to drop in the chat uh yeah. or in the podcast description uh 
tune in on uh, Twitch, Facebook, or the YouTubes uh, when we go yeah, live. Prime 30. account, you can use your Twitch Prime, Twitch Prime account to subscribe to us. Really helps us, and it's and it's here. And if you don't use it, nothing as you just giving Jeff Bezos more money. Don't don't do that. And might as well give it some money to somebody who actually needs it. Um, and Jeff <laughs> ain't it. Um, otherwise, yeah. if you uh, like. Like again, our we've mentioned her a lot tonight. Our our uh, one of our listeners this week, uh, Cara Kitty, actually jumped on and left some. She jumped on a few weeks ago. Actually made a suggestion. I watched the show, and now we've had a spent a little bit of time actually discussing her her thoughts on our review of her suggested uh, yeah. animated movie. So if you can do the same, you can jump yeah, on a yeah. stream or or jump on and watch the stream and leave a comment like she did and say, "Hey, I'd love to hear what you guys think about." Yeah epic movie or something like that please don't we've had a, no, not an epic um, movie. but you know what i mean like whatever it is um and if we've got time we'll check it out and give yeah. you our thoughts thank you very much ladies and gentlemen good night good night good night Thank you for listening to Armchair Producers. We are a weekly podcast every Wednesday at 8pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And if you'd like to follow along live, please go to twitch.tv slash thefriedbrain, where you can actually also donate to us, as well as watching us live on youtube.com slash friedbrainproductions or facebook.com slash friedbrainproductions. Thank you, and see you next time. Bye-bye.